Yo, yo, what is up? This is Raphael with NBA Big Board. I keep wanting to say locked on NBA draft, but it is now NBA Big Board. I have my guy Richard Stamen on. And in this episode, we are going to have a debate about Kennedy Chandler. Stay tuned. All right. Happy Tuesday. I got my guy, Richard Stamen. Richard is in Dallas. I will be coming home to Dallas this week. I am looking forward to it. It's been, uh, I guess it's a crazy morning in Dallas, considering everybody is waiting on the results of what's going on with Luka Doncic. What are your thoughts on that before we get into the show? You know, well, I'm literally wearing this Luka shirt. And uh, it was it was the worst thing I could have done. I'm scared to play basketball later in this. Like I I'm, I'm becoming superstitious, and I'm not even a superstitious person. But ultimately, it comes down to for me, I can't believe he was still in the game. Uh, they had the halftime scores. They said they were monitoring it. They're like, I'll just take him out in the fourth quarter. But what was that extra eight minutes going to do? I, I I don't think it's really necessarily on Jason Kidd. Like people want to are going for his head now. Uh, but I do think uh, there were better ways to handle it, and it's really unfortunate. And hopefully it's super minor, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you know, people were criticizing the Bucks for sitting everybody out, and, you know, <laughs> it sounds like it was the smart thing to do. But you know what? I forgot to thank everybody for listening to Locked On, or I'm sorry, NBA Big Board. I'm going to get it right. Got to thank everybody for making NBA Big Board their first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And if you use the promo code NBA, go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right. Little, little thrown off <laughs> with, with my timing here. All right. So now let's let's get into this debate. This may be the first debate from NBA draft guys from the same team. And the, we're, we're going to debate about Kennedy Chandler. I saw that you wrote an article on him on MavsDraft.com. I liked it. I mean, good work as usual. And then I was looking at like some of your strengths and your concerns about Kennedy Chandler. Some of them I felt like, hey, if that's a concern of his, I think that that's okay. So so tell me, like, what are your thoughts on Kennedy Chandler? Because I think you have him like in the 25 through 30 range on your on your board. And, and why yeah. is that? Yeah, honestly, it, the, the the why is the easiest question I think you're going to ask me the whole day. The why is just because I can't figure him out because there are times where I look at him play and I'm like, okay, I can see this translating. And then I watch the next game and I'm like, wait, what just happened? Like he was just doing this and now he looks completely outmatched, over, overmatched, excuse me, outplayed all of this stuff. Uh, it really just comes down to, for me, there's there's two swing skills. And I think I'm more confident in one of them than the other. But the finishing, I'm more confident in. I think he actually will be able to finish over big men pretty well at the rim, uh, relatively speaking. He just needs that floater to come along. That's pretty much the, the biggest swing area in his swing. But the shooting really scares me. Uh, I don't know if he can shoot over bigs. Like, so he, when he gets him on an island, I just don't know if he's going to be able to make him pay as much as, uh, as much as he could be able to do. And see, I think he can because you're going to have to respect the first step. And I think that, with NBA spacing, he'll look a lot better. Um, the Michigan game, to me, was one of the games where I felt like, okay, this is what I can see out of him. Michigan was switching. Once he got a switch, he was able to blow by guys. I think he hit, like, two pull-up jumpers in, in, in that game. 
But I think the speed just kind of offsets some concerns about the form and the jumper. But then he shot 38% from three. So the the basic numbers look good. Of course, he'll need to work on the floater. I don't know how much he'll have to finish over bigs. I mean, I, I think that um, he's he's good enough to where once he gets into the lane, he is going to be able to make some some drive and kick reads. So I don't I don't have those concerns. I actually have him as a mid first round pick. And and so you have him twenty. What do you have him on your board? Yeah, it, it fluctuates every minute, man. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the last update, I had him at 32. Even that feels a little bit low. It, it's tough because I, I hate doubting these high IQ guards. Like high IQ players, just, they don't fail. Like for the most part, unless you have some severe outlier flaws, they they don't fail. So I'm like, this seems too low. But at the same time, again, I, I just go back. Like, I don't know if I buy the shooting. Like he shot 38% from three, but the free throw percentage was 61% which is alarmingly low for a guard, obviously. And, uh, I, that stuff just scares me. So I, I just don't know what to make of it. It's like every time I see something on the good side, I see something immediately opposite on the bad side is how it feels. So do you buy into free throw percentage as a better indicator of shooting touch than overall shooting numbers? So for touch, like, yeah, I, I think the free throw for, or excuse me, free throw percentage is better for touch, but Success, I think it. I think it's it's relative, right? Like because guys like Oche Baji, for example, I have no issue about his shot translating, even though his free throw percentages every year, but this last year he was below seventy percent. Sometimes I'm willing to overlook it, like when the form is good and Kennedy Chandler's release is actually really nice. My worry is, I think it does limit him. I think that it's kind of a warning with the free throw percentage to say, hey, like the thirty eight percent is probably an overachievement. Is all that's probably how I take it. Yeah, now that is a, a major concern, especially if he's going to be your ball handler. You want a guy that fourth quarter, you don't want a guy that they're going to do a, you know, hack a shack to to your point guard. So that that part is concerning. Do you have any concerns about his size overall? I mean, on the again, the kind of shooting over defenders, I, I just I need to see it be more consistent. I think it hurts in there. And then on defense. I mean, like anybody who's six foot is going to have like, I, I don't think he's any exception from most six foot guards on the way he plays defense. It's it's not a knock on him. I think he's pretty intelligent and the way he knows how to rotate and knows where to be. But ultimately, I think it kind of holds him back from being a positive defender. Like his best case is neutral, which is totally fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with being a neutral defender. Yeah, now he has like a six five wingspan, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that kind of helps him out. I think he is a pesky defender gets a you know a, a fair amount of steals i know at one point it was early in the season but he was averaging like four steals a game or something like that so i um i mean i, I like him as a pesky defender um I, I definitely think he could be like at least a steph curry smart defender that just kind of you know makes plays in, in the passing lanes off the ball now, are you concerned overall about uh about I mean, other than, other than his defense, are you concerned about like maybe a fit? Not see, I feel like he can play in any two guard lineup. That's the thing with him. It, it's I go back and forth because like if you put him, I'm trying to think of a good example. Uh, if you put him in Chicago, for example, obviously they're weird because they already have a lot of guards technically. But like if you put him, you, I think he fits great with 
Ayodesunmu and Wanzo Ball. I think kind of both his all of his weaknesses for the most part get offset with both those guys, more so Wanzo than Ayo. But um, you know, I do think he needs to go to a place where there's a good spot up shooting guard uh, and that the other guard can shoot. That's pretty much the big things for him where the guard can play both off ball and on ball. My dream scenario for him is Houston. I think that with Houston, I think they need a somewhat of a traditional point guard. I think he can come in and at least stabilize the offense a little bit and, um, and get in the paint. I mean, if he can get in the paint and kick it out to the corner and if they can ever get guys to like swing, I mean, I'm just imagine, uh, you know, a situation where he breaks the man down, gets into the paint and he's making live dribble pass or driving kick to the corner three. And if not, then you get a swing. Let's say your swing is to like Jalen Green. I mean, he's going to kill that closeout. And, and so I felt like even with Schroeder, I felt like Schroeder added a different dimension there in Houston. So that that would be my ideal scenario. Do you have like a team that you think would be an ideal fit for him? Man, I, I go to I go to Indiana with this one. Indiana just seems like a perfect place. As long as Rick Carlisle's there, I want my undersized point guards going to Rick Carlisle. I mean, I and, and he's also pesky, uh, which we know a certain Mavs point guard that made a living being undersized and pesky at six foot, uh, even though if he probably wasn't really six feet. But uh, you know, I, I do trust Rick and JJ smaller than that. I feel like yeah, I oh yeah, no, no, no. I, post <laughs> every every person who has ever seen him up close that is around six foot give or take two inches knows he's not six foot <laughs> have, have you seen him in person like stood next to him yeah, yeah. me I, i've seen him and like yeah it, it's not i i'm 510 i'm his height so like yeah it's actually kind of cool because i've seen him like blend in he puts a hat on and he just kind of literally just goes totally unnoticed <laughs> at even with like his wife who like stands out people just you know don't even notice it when he has a, a hat on but yeah he he is pretty small all right before we get into deep into the small guards i want to talk to the audience about prize picks now if you are looking for a daily fantasy option for the nba then you need to try the award-winning app prize picks prize picks is daily fantasy made easy i love this and we know you will too it is easy to use. You just pick two to five players and over or under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it is just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Price picks is safe, and it offers fast withdrawals, so use the award-winning app on the App Store and Google Play, and Price picks offers a variety of options. Any prop you can think of, point score to rebounds, even steals, and prize picks allows mixed sports entries. So you could do LeBron turnovers and Brady and take the over on Brady touchdowns combined with the under. It's just so much you can do with it. And prize picks just doesn't offer NBA. They have options on the college basketball level, college football, NFL, Major League Baseball, soccer, MMA, and more. So for a limited time, it's just for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users will get $50 free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. But you must use the code NBA. That is right. This is an exclusive offer available on locked, available to locked on fans. So sign up today, use the code NBA, and you get $50 free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. 
All right, thank you for making NBA Big Board your first listen of the day. Now I would suggest you try out the Locked On Now podcast. It gives you nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It is free, and it is available wherever you get your podcasts. Because if I would have thought of a coach that maximizes small guards, and maybe not now, but it was Tibbs. I mean, you think Tibbs used to take like yeah. Nate Robinson, yeah. or DJ Augustine, John Lucas. He would always find like this scoring guard that wasn't really like a point, but that liked to score. And he would just find a role for them with a bunch of defenders that gave him the ball and let them, you know, get a bunch of volume shots. And he was able to maximize it with Chicago. Um don't really remember him doing it much in Minnesota and and, and not in in, uh, in in New York, but he I never thought of Carlisle, so that that's that's a good uh, that's a good uh, a, a, a good place for him. Was there any place else that you thought would be a decent fit? Yeah, so actually New York was one of the places, so he would end up with Tibbs. But uh, the other two I had I had Washington just because I don't know what their actual point guard situation looks like, uh, but having him with Porzingis and Beal seems like it would be beneficial, and I think he's. If everything goes right with Kenny Chandler, I think he's actually got a real good chance to be a positive offensive player at the least in year one, um, especially like if that shot translates. I think that's the biggest swing skill. So like being a backup point guard that can run some minutes, like if uh, if uh, I'm blanking on who the other point guard was. So forgive me, Washington fans, but pretty much if Beal and Porzingis uh, are out there while Kennedy Chandler's running the show, it's a pretty good lineup. And then Milwaukee, uh, just because – you know, they're a good team. They could probably groom him. They could take their time and uh, feel like they need a little bit more playmaking out of the point guard spot uh, outside of Drew Holiday. I feel like for the most part, they've kind of been lacking there. Uh, so those were the other two spots I put. Right, well, what is your like best case scenario for him? Because I can see what somebody could be scared because of his size. And I, I use myself as example. And this is funny. I can admit it now. One of my very first videos I did, this is even before I was, I called myself NBA Draft Junkies, but one of the very first videos I did when I broke down film, I want to say it was 2012. I thought Trey Burke was going to be a star. <laughs> and I mean, Michigan went to the final four. And I even saw someone recently, I think it was doing the NCAA tournament, post some highlights of, of how well he played. And he was tremendous at Michigan. And so I could see how someone may be concerned and say, okay, this is Trey Burke 2.0. Do you have like a, a best and worst case scenario for him? See, I don't, I don't think I, I say, I'm, I don't think Trey Burke is that because like one, yeah, I, I know you mean like just kind of how their outcome has been not one-to-one. Uh, but I think his absolute worst case is, look, some blend of like, I wrote down two names that his play style was similar to and, and the success, I guess this is like an absolute worst case, which is Isaiah Cannon and Tremont Waters. If you blended the best of both of them, it wasn't the best comparisons, but uh, the high end though, I, I don't, I just don't see the floor being that low for him realistically. I think the chances of him really hitting that rock bottom are pretty slim. Again, that basketball IQ will raise your floor so much. So unless that really just doesn't translate or one of his skills is that bad, I don't know. But the top end one, he played, I mean, this one was really high end. And I hate using anybody that's ever been an all-star, but uh, the high end is Jeff Teague. But I, I used him because the all-star appearance he had is considered one of the weaker ones. 
So I had no issue <laughs> using that, but then the blend of him and like Chucky Atkins, who I think is someone a lot of NBA fans forget was actually like a decent player. Yeah. For being Detroit. Yeah. yeah. Detroit and Memphis. He had a couple of years or maybe it was Denver, something like that. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. We all three. <laughs> so we, we disagree on Kennedy Chandler. I have Chandler like 15 spots ahead of you, <laughs> which is significant. Now, here's what we do agree on. And I mean, I think we're going to catch some flack for this. We both have Chet Holmgren four. So in my mock draft that will be coming out, uh, it, it'll be out by the time this is uh, available. But I have Holmgren going four based off the records. I have him going four to the Thunder. And I have Jaden Ivey ahead of him going number three to Detroit. Why do you have Holmgren four? Well, I think, first of all, I, I know most NBA teams aren't going to have him top one, at least. So that was kind of an easy one. Uh, that's the one puzzle piece that's not very subtle that NBA teams are letting out. That he's not going to go number one. I think it's very unlikely at this point. So I knew he was somewhere in the two to four range. I'm trying to, this was honestly kind of a calculated, I'm going to try and put my head in the, the same space as a GM. And Jaden Ivey, I mean, I, after doing his scouting report, I was like, oh my God, like he has the most strengths of any player I've done so far in terms of just on my list, not necessarily, uh, you know, like individual different skills where he's so good at. It's hard to put anybody like Chet, who does have more floor risks uh, over, over uh, Jaden Ivey. And then also Paolo and Jabari. I mean, those two are, are studs. So with Chet, it really just comes down to like, is he just a, and this is not a one-to-one, but I mean, I worry, is he a better Mo Bamba where like, which is still a very good player. Um, but some of the stuff that makes him special, I'm not sure how it translates, such as the playmaking. I don't know how the playmaking will translate in terms of scale. I think he's going to be good passing out of the post, but is he really going to be in the post? Like we don't know what his role is in that playmaking is what really elevates him from a good prospect to a great prospect. And I just don't know how he uses it in the NBA. Yeah, I agree. I think the ball handling is only going to be effective in transition. I don't see how it translates in the half court because even, I mean, it's not like he's blown by you with like an exceptional first step. And even if he does, he's not Luca where if he gets a shoulder in front of you, then you can't do anything about it with him. You just give him a bump. And I mean, it's going to turn a straight line drive into a banana. (laughs) So um, I, I agree. You know, I, I've been kind of holding on to this for a while. I think he's Marcus Camby. I think which he's, isn't bad. It's not bad. Marcus Camby was the second pick, played like forever. I want to say he was probably like 37 or something like that when he last played with Houston, led the NBA in rebounding before. I, I want to say he probably led the NBA in blocks at some point. I think he won defensive player of the year. And if, I'm old enough to remember Marcus Camby outplayed Tim Duncan in college. And Marcus Camby was really skilled at UConn, but the problem, not UConn, at at, uh, UMass. Sorry, (laughs) UConn or UMass fans. But the problem was early in his career, he just couldn't stay healthy because he was so frail in a sense. And and his, his best scoring year, if I'm not mistaken, was his rookie season. And then it just kind of went in from there. But Camby was the second pick. Played a long career, made a lot of money, wasn't the franchise guy, but he was a, a high-end starter for a, a good team. And I think that is what Chet could end up being. If he's Marcus Camby with a jump shot, that's great. 
if he's Mo Bamba, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I think Mo Bamba, somebody's going to take a chance on him this summer in, in free agency. Um, I guess the biggest difference in my eyes between the two is I don't think anybody has ever questioned if Chet likes basketball. I mean, that's one yeah. of the questions I've heard with Bamba is he's really, really intelligent. Not saying guys don't like players that aren't intelligent, but I've heard that he's so intelligent that he may have so many other interests that basketball could be secondary. You know, you, you want a guy to kind of eat, sleeps and, and, and breathes it. And, and so, yeah, he could be somewhere in, in between. Like, what, all right, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for you or your local chain store to stock all the parts that you need. So there's just there's just no point of going through all the, the crazy questions and wait while the person behind the counter is just asking you questions you really just do not know the answer to. So why go through all that? When you have your computer or your phone that has access to rockauto.com, it's in your, like I said, it's on your computer or in your pocket. You can save time and money when you use Rock Auto. So there's no need to choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. For example, I needed headlights for a Jeep Cherokee, and the price was at least 45% more at the chain store. Went to Rock Auto, got a light. And it was all good because Rock Auto is a family business and they serve do-it-yourselfers like you, like me. And they've been doing it for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. You have everything you could need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet just in case your kids got it all muddy. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and it has all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Like what are, what are your biggest concerns about Chet other than like the obvious? Yeah. The, first of all, I actually don't think the frame is like as big a deal because people are like, you know, he's going to get bullied or whatever here. And it's like, okay, fine. But also this is now this, is, he's not the first skinny prospect with long arms and great shot blocking timing that can make up for it. So that doesn't actually scare me a ton. Really. It's kind of what I said with the creation ability. Like that was the thing that he was, that made him a special high school prospect was he could do it in high school because high school competition isn't as good. Like that's, that's just the facts. And uh, you know, so some of it looked a little bit better. Um, I think foul trouble is something to look for. You see that uh, that was the big thing with Jaron Jackson pre-draft still is kind of a big thing. Um, but ultimately it just kind of comes down to, can he put it all together and make himself a consistent, complete player game to game? And I don't know. I mean, you kind of alluded to, to Mo Bamba. He's the guy who I look at as a worst case scenario, but the difference is like, I, I don't know how to say this nicely. I'm trying to be cordial when I say stuff like this, but Mo Bamba really just cannot make plays unless it is handed to him on a silver platter. When he hits his threes, everything is wide open threes. If you look at like all of his synergy numbers, all that, it's all going to say most of them are open, unguarded shots. And alley-oops, same thing. It's simple pick and rolls, it's breakdowns. And then shot blocks, the defense walks right into him. And they're like, I can get around Bamba. And then he just goes, no. And that's like his defense. So I think if you get a more polished version of Bamba, like if you got the 50% outcome of what Bamba was as a prospect, 
that might be what the the floor looks like for or not even 50 but like the floor for chet kind of looks like that i don't think he busts for skill is what i would say about chet all right here's one we totally disagree on this guy i mean this is a huge gap Terquavion smith i'll go first wait wait before you go i'm so sorry i i have to say it. this is not a knock on on smith i i will be 100 honest he's the guy he's one of the last people i have watched and i started watching him before i made the board because of you so i want to preface that but go ahead <laughs> okay because i mean you have him at, at, at 41 i had him at 14 on, on my on my big board i like smith i just do not for the life of me understand how he slid so far under the radar the only thing I can think of is that most people, and, and I'm just using myself, for example, we, we do our, at the beginning of the year, we follow our guys and then we start to circle back. And then you're, you know, you're kind of like on your second round of watching the guys. And then you start going too deep into like mid majors and too deep into looking and, and at least for the people that like eat, sleep and breathe this stuff. Now you're looking for mid majors then you get to the point where you're looking randomly for like pulling up stats, right? I'm looking for a seven footer that averaged four rebounds, three blocks and shot <laughs> 35% of three. I mean, for the people that eat, sleep and breathe this, I'm sure I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but Tercravion slid under the radar. I mean, he had multiple 30 point games in ACC play had 30, either 34 against North Carolina had a 30 point game against Florida state had some games where he made five, six, even seven threes. He's athletic. I mean, he is only 160 pounds. I mean, I thought Bryce McGowan's was the skinniest <laughs> prospect outside of Chet, but Traquavion is only 160 pounds. But I think he could be, I mean, I think he could be special. I think he could end up being like a Reggie Jackson type where I remember Reggie when he was at Boston College, like I think, think the thunder made him a guarantee or something like that made him a promise and he was a shock first round pick got to oklahoma city and played extremely well in replace of westbrook and then the man the, the rumor is he was really confident and felt like <laughs> maybe russ hmm. maybe he, maybe he deserved a bigger role had good numbers in detroit but for whatever reasons the pistons fans didn't like him and he's found a spot in in la and I think Reggie Jackson is a very good guard. And I think Turquavion has a little bit of Reggie, Reggie Jackson, smaller Jamal Crawford. He actually moves like Jaden Ivey, <laughs> like just the way he moves, like with smaller Jaden Ivey. So I like him. I like him a lot. I mean, I think he's going to be a, a name that just kind of shoots up boards during workouts, shot the ball, respect, you know, 36% from three. And this is with bad shot selection. I mean, this is, you know, sometimes I'm a fan of bad, irrational confidence players. I mean, I'm talking tough step backs. I like him. So what are your thoughts so far? So so I've seen two games, and one of the games, I w it was early in the year, and I was watching Sebron had been going off, right? Like Was it the Nebraska so watching, game where he gave my Huskers like 39 and 17 or something like that? So <laughs> it, I, I can't remember which one. It was, it was in December or November. It was pre-conference. Um, I was only looking for Sebron, Sebron, um, in 
and I keep wanting to say LeBron. So that's why I keep saying like that. <laughs> yeah. But I was watching for him and, and I was like, oh, the Smith guy just put up a nice shot. And I was like, yeah, I'll get to him later. And I never ended up getting to him later. And then I watched one other game, but I, you know, I'm a big fan of these look at their best five game stretches. I do this every summer uh, before the draft. I go, give me a prospect, give me the best five game stretch. And I think it tells a lot um, about a player turquoise <laughs> dude Smith's top five games. Like he had a stretch from February 15th to March 5th. It was five of the last six games where his worst scoring output was 20 points a game. And in this stretch, he averaged 24 points a game, five rebounds, two assists, only one turnover, right under a steal and a block a game. I was on 43%, but uh, 47% from three. Like when you get numbers like that, I, I don't know how this guy isn't higher. And again, my reason as someone who is, uh, who was completely guilty of what I'm accusing myself and others of, of not having him high enough. Mine is I need to watch him more and he's probably my next watch. Um, but I could easily see everything checks out. I mean, like the skill and the numbers are there. Yeah. I, I like him a lot. I mean, it's so rare and I don't want to say I found him actually Chad, Chad Ford had, had mentioned that some scouts had liked him and I had watched him before just kind of watching C-Ron and like, I, it's interesting. You like use their best five games. Like for me, sometimes what I try to do is I go to synergy and I'll hit random and it'll just give me random clips from the first game to the 30th game to the 13th game. So you just, it's kind of like, maybe I feel like easier to form an opinion in a sense, because sometimes like I look at, like if I'm watching film, it's like listening to a song. If I watch like the first 10 clips and I see a guy just miss his first eight shots, then I may already be forming in my head. Like, okay, this guy can't shoot or he can't do this. And then I have to go look at his stats and then say, okay, well he can't shoot. This is just not, not a good game. But if I just go like, randomly i feel like it um it kind of helps me out and so yeah just it's just kind of amazing to me how he just kind of slid under the radar all right the last prospect that i want to talk about that we are also divided on so so far we're divided on kennedy chandler turquavion we agreed on chet but this one is a huge gap and 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 you are far off the consensus here mark williams at 36 (laughs) Did you not watch the NCAA tournament or do you just feel like, you know what, with this type of value, you can go get him at 36, 37. Do you feel like what he brings to the table is easy to replace or easy to find in the second round? Yeah. So that's pretty much it. It's it's an archetype um, issue for me. And I just don't know how much I buy the jump shot coming along because I know the free throw percentage is pretty nice if I'm not mistaken. Uh, now I'm double checking myself, but yeah, 70, 73%, uh, the form on the free throw isn't bad. Uh, I guess my worry is like, can he be played off uh, defensively? I think it's, uh, I, I think ultimately I lean no for the most part, but I think there is an argument for it, which does scare me. And then if he's not shooting again, it's more of an archetype, uh, jab I guess more than actually at Mark Williams because I think he's a very good player we've also seen something I think he's really underrated at is passing under the rim too um yep. even if it's like Hail Mary passes because if Paolo who cannot throw a post-entry pass to save his life to Mark Williams uh throws it off line I've seen him save it a couple times for an assist uh, I do like his game it's more of just like that archetype I feel like he's very replaceable uh and the odds of him I feel like coming to a very high level at that role are, are kind of minimal 
I've even saw some people felt like that he may have passed Jalen Duran as the next center wow. available. I saw some of those those tweets because I mean I see like like you you're you're not as high on him. You got Coloco number forty three, so I it just seems like you feel like I can get a, a rim runner shot blocker. I can I can get that value later on in the draft. Yeah, I got burned one too many times. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll throw an absolute throwback from five years ago that burned me so hard. Justin Patton? Just, who? Was it Justin Patton? Two of them. I forgot about <laughs> Justin Patton. Wow. I was higher on Justin Patton than the guy I was going to say. I don't know how it missed me. I was going to say E.K. Anik Bogu. Uh, I loved him. Granted, his was like injuries screwed him, but also horrible evaluation on my end of had him uh, as high as I did. I thought he was that guy and uh, – you know, ever since then, I've just been kind of like, okay, let's cool it on these centers who are kind of interior forces. So talking about the kid from uh, UCLA. Yeah, yeah, he was on that Lonzo yeah, TJ Leaf. That team. he, I mean, he got TJ Leaf, and uh, they they owe him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where. I think Leaf is playing in China right now. So yeah, he fell. Yeah, he and fell. they both were first round picks. Well, man, thank you so much for for coming on. And I mean, the audience knows you, but just in case they don't, and they just kind of scrambled on on and found us where can they find you and your work yeah the hub is uh maps draft on twitter everything goes through there i'll post any of my scouting reports that i do mock drafts big boards uh anything like that i'm, I'm actually going to be at portsmouth invitational starting tomorrow so i'll be having stuff on mapsdraft.com about that I'll also be live tweeting a ton of it um but yes yeah, so that's uh that's where you can find me at maps draft on twitter the grind is real. My man is going to Portsmouth and that high school gym is not the most accessible place to watch guys that may not even get drafted. So if you question like how hard we work for this NBA draft platform that we have, he just gave you an example. Well, thank you so much. This is Raphael, NBA Big Board, Richard Stamen, Math Draft, and we are out. All right, thank you for making NBA Big Board, your first listen every day. Now for your second or even your third listen, try Locked On NBA. The Locked On experts are covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday, and they get it done in less than 30 minutes. It is free, and it is available wherever you get your podcasts.